This is Voices of Texas, the podcast about Texans. Recording from Brownwood, in the heart of Texas, here's your host, Matthew Hinman. Thank you so much for listening to Voices of Texas. I am so glad to be back with you for my second season of the show. And I'm going to continue bringing you some of the most interesting Texans with fascinating stories. Well, today... I am recording in the historic Lyric Theater in downtown Brownwood, Texas. And what makes this so special is that this theater was built over 100 years ago, and today it still stands as a treasure and an icon to this small central Texas community. My guest today is the managing director of the Brownwood Lyric Theater, and he's here with me today to tell us this story of this amazing theater that I'm sitting in right now. Eric Evans, welcome to Voices of Texas. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, you know, one of the things that really amazes me about this theater, despite being, you know, built in 1914, it still stands today and it entertains thousands of people every year, but it wasn't always that way, was it? Well, no. In its embryonic stages, the early years, the vaudevillian years, I guess you could say, uh, the theater was quite large. And on the interior, estimates are that it seated probably close to 1,000 people. They, they tell us, as we looked up history on the uh, theater and the community, that uh, west of the I, what we would know now as the I-35 corridor, mm-hmm. this was the largest structure built for probably maybe as much as 15 years after 1914. Wow. So it was it was quite large, and the anticipatory thought that it was going to be used in this community, and Brownwood was growing by basically leaps and bounds at that particular time, where they would almost double in size, or at least by growing by 50%, then 70% the next year, and then one year they had a year where it doubled in size. Uh, that, of course, that's from going from 2,000 to 4,000 people. Right. But, you know, Brownwood was beginning to become a hub of activity. Mm-hmm. It had water with the pecan bio, and it had the location uh, the traveling space that was needed. And it was a great little stopping point. So thus the Lyric Theater was born in 1914. So after that, of course, we're right there at the beginning of World War One and, and that time period. How did, how did the Lyric fare for the next few years? How did that? You hear or read only positive things about the Lyric, what was taking place, its usage, uh, the actors that were here, uh, we have been able to assimilate several different items of that nature. And you can look it up online and find quite a bit of history of that. So it, it, we find that it only had success for years and years, uh, especially the heyday for the theater and for the community of Brownwood as far as numerical populations and numbers and attendance is going to be during the World War II era. But during those early years, it obviously was successful at some level, and as you walked on through it, you found success that really became quite uh, substantial during that World War II period. Well, I know now today, Brownwood, uh, Brownwood proper is, I guess, about 20,000 population. But back in World War II, it was a completely different story then. Yes, Camp Bowie. Uh, when Camp Bowie was constructed and occupied, uh, for a period of six years, there were over 250,000 servicemen that were trained came into and went through Camp Bowie 
during those period of times. And then on top of that, there was a prisoner of war for German soldiers that was also located in that same area out there at Camp Bowie. And so, yeah, there are stories, there are actually some very cool stories about the population being so huge, you can't find a place to live. People took their house and they divided it. They would rent out rooms. They would put a doorway that add a porch. If you go through Broward even today, you, you can find houses uh, in the central proper part of the city uh, where people would add a porch and a door, or they would split the house and have two doors on their front, and they would rent out one side and live in the other side. Uh, Broward was quite the happening place, and Howard Payne was seeing great success. Mm-hmm. Daniel Baker College uh, at the same time was taking place. Um, it was it was a hub of activity, to say the least, and the Lyric was right in the center of it. The whole historic downtown district was right in the center of all of that that was taking place. So now, what, at what point uh, after all that, was it, was it post-World War II, or when was it that the Lyric really kind of slumped for a while and kind of fell into disrepair? Well, after the uh, Camp Bowie, of course, closed, I, I, I can't remember the exact date, but I think somewhere around the 1950 period of time, the Camp Bowie closed. And um, the, the, of course, the activity, you know, and, and Broward had uh, right here on Center Avenue, on Center Avenue alone, there were like seven movie theaters. That were taking place, and uh, then there were theaters on Fisk Avenue, just you know, in our world, two blocks over. And then there were theaters all the way around by the courthouse section. Uh, but in invisible sight to the front door of the Lyric Theater, you could see the Bowie Theater, the Gym Theater, and uh, you could see another theater just down the way from that point. And just around the corner was the Texas Theater, wow. and so. You know, there was quite a bit of competition. The Bowie Theater, of course, was due, state-of-the-art. It didn't open up until uh, the 40s, that period, the late 40s section. And, um, you know, so they had quite a bit going. So the theater just eventually began to be a B-movie movie house, so to speak. And, um, you know, it was a little less expensive to go to go to the theater here. Uh, and then, you know, as time just progressed, it ended up closing down uh, like in 1951, 1952. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it remained closed for maybe uh, the building itself for about six months, maybe to a year. Okay. Uh, it was totally unoccupied. So what happened after that point? Did, did, well, did it uh, start being a theater again, or uh, what happened for a no, while? No, not at that point. Uh, the actual uh, a family, Gene uh, uh, and Pat Arthur, purchased the building and uh, made a dress shop, basically, out of it. They had been been experimenting with having dress shops and stuff like that in, in some spaces. Uh, but they bought the building, and they just basically renovated all the space underneath the balcony, what is now we call the interior lobby section. They renovated that space to be a dress shop, and they took what was the exterior lobby for us, where the box office was, and they made that into the uh, window shopping area, so to speak, for the for the dress shop. And what was a cool story is Gene uh, and Pat Arthur, longtime community advocates in Brownwood, and were for years. Gene um, passed away here recently. I want to say recently, several years ago. But Pat, his wife, came to uh, see our show this summer. 
Uh, and so guys and dolls. And she was just, matter of fact, when I walked her in and they introduced who she was uh, to me, uh, and uh, this was prior to everybody else getting here, she was just going to come down and I, and I took her on a tour. Uh, when, I, when she walked into the theater itself, she just stopped for a second and started crying oh uh, because she couldn't believe that uh, we were able to uh, re- recreate and restore the theater, and it was it was very close to how she remembered. And then the stories just started flooding out. Her husband <laughs> built airplanes on the stage, and right. one of the things we had to clean up when we were cleaning the theater out was airplane parts uh, <laughs> that he that he had utilized when he was building on the stage. And so he'd use that section as a um, oh as a storage area and as a hobby area when he built area uh, the airplanes. There's part of airplanes in the balcony. Yeah. There are airplane parts everywhere. Uh, and then there were old World War II radio parts down in the basement. It was it was just it was just kind of comic when we first got into the theater. But that story of Pat and her coming in and just having that oh my gosh moment, you know, when yeah. she walks in was was pretty amazing actually. Yeah, well, I'm sure that that there are other people still around today that have have gone into the theater now and, and reminisced as much as they can. What, what kind of stories have they told you about what they remember from the lyric way back when? When we first started the whole concept, there were three of us that got together, and I'd walked out the back door. After uh, Pat and Jean Arthur sold the store, they, stole the, they sold the store to Bill and Jesse Hamilton. Um, and Bill and Jesse Hamilton ran the dress shop as... Pats and Jeans for yet for years uh, as a dress shop. Uh, they're now known as Hamiltons, which is most appropriate. Moved down the street, they renovated a building, gorgeous building downtown. Um, I walked out the back door. She caught me at church and said, "Hey, listen, I want you to come look at this building. Uh, I think you just might have an idea about it." And so she took me out the back of her uh, office door that was attached to the main part of the dress shop. And I saw all of the space and everything inside of it. Right then the stories started, started flooding in about, <laughs> Oh yes, we loved what, what the, uh, theater was and how it looked and what role it played in my life and history and all sorts of stuff. I mean, lovely stories that I just giggle at. You know, one one of my favorite stories, uh, a lady that shopped here all the time, her name was J.B. Pitts. Uh, her and her husband were part of the um, the community of Brownwood. He's one of the original mafia members, if you've ever heard right. those stories in Brownwood. When I say mafia, I don't mean he was... Yeah. He was, Most uh, of us who live here know yeah, he about the Brownwood Mafia. Yeah, he wasn't selling liquor or places yeah, like that. Exactly. Well, maybe he was, but he wasn't. Groner, they owned the funeral home here in town and uh, very big advocates of the community. She said, Eric, I want you to come over here and I want to talk to you. And she told me the story about how she was in Howard Payne and during that period of time when the lyric was blowing and going, you know, during the war years. Uh, World War II, that period, uh, she was in school there at Howard Payne, and they weren't allowed to leave. And so they, a- after a certain time of night, so uh, they snuck out of the dorms because of all the activity. You couldn't even drive a car during the in the downtown district on Center Avenue. All car traffic was stopped, and people just walked walked down the middle of the street. And so she told a story about how they hid their hats in the trees. And when they hid their hats in the trees, 
trees and they would come down here and the place they were going was going to be the Lyric. And they would walk into the Lyric door and all these soldiers would move and get up for them as they came in because there was this group of pretty ladies that just walked in the door. <laughs> you know, there, there's those type of memories. I have one, matter of fact, when we first got the building back in 2000 and, oh my, 2000. 2002, 2003, something like that, when we purchased the building through a special grant from the Brownwood Arts Council, we were able to purchase the building or put the down payment on the building. And uh, I we, were, we did the movie, the show, not movie, the show, Cinderella. And so Cinderella, that Rodgers and Hammerstein, that classic yeah. show, we were in here cleaning and sweeping. And uh, of course, we didn't have a dime to our name hardly to, to put on a musical. And, um, and so we were always looking for trying to encourage local people to help us out. Well, a lady named Linda Lack, who owned the Merle Norman, which was just a couple of doors down from us, um, she said, hey, listen, I'll do your makeup for you. Y'all can use my shop and the dressing rooms as dressing room section, and y'all can come in and out of the theater through the alley. Well, that's, well that was a perfect scenario for us because we literally put up folding chairs in the room. We, we tried to get rid of the dust, and it was June, and anybody knows Texas in June, it began to get hot, and so we turned on big fans in between the show, you know, acts and stuff like that. Well, Linda came in, and I, she hadn't told me any story. Linda came into the building, and she was st- standing in the middle of the cement floor of the main orchestra level of the building. She looked up at the balcony, and she was just shaking her head from side to side. Her arms were crossed in front of her. She had her finger. I still remember her finger was tapping her elbow. And I said, Linda, what are you thinking about? She goes, oh, I have such memories about this place when me and my husband used to come here. We would go to that balcony, and we would just neck and neck. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Isn't that? And I started laughing. That's great. (laughs) And here's this little lady, you know. Probably in her seventies, having this moment, yeah, uh, just about her and her husband uh, having when they were courting each other right. during those days. It was a great moment, yeah. and so ever since then, we have story after story about people. One of the guys that was in the show, Cinderella, his parents met here and got married. Yes, and so he goes, I am here today because of the lyric, literally, here today because of the lyric. (laughs) And, you know, yeah, so when you get to hear those stories and you get to see people's eyes just open up wide, it's really, it's really fulfilling. Lots of endorphins you get from that kind of stuff. I can only imagine. Well, so there, obviously, it had its ups and downs in several dormant periods over the years, but uh, sometime... Uh, you you had formed uh, the Lyric Performing Arts Company prior to even acquiring the theater. Is that right? Yes. Well, as a matter of fact, we we went after a grant from the Arts Council of Brownwood. This is an organization. It's been around for a good while here in town, and. Uh, it received some public funds, and then they do fundraisers. Or back during that period of time, they used to do fundraisers, and they had some resources for a uh, that were related to Texas uh, hotel occupancy tax that they had to use for specific purposes. You know, those those funds are very specific in how they can be utilized and and how you can do those. Well, we happened to meet all the criteria for them. We were historic. 
We were entertainment. We were arts-related, performing arts-related specifically. And then we also would eventually, if not at the same time, have people who were in the hotels provide a place for them to come and enjoy uh, during their stay in Brownwood. And so when we did that, we had to be a 501c3. We had to be a non-for-profit organization. Right, so right. in 2001, we formed what was no, what was going to be known as LPAC, or the Lyric Performing Arts Company. Uh, we have a board of directors we started then. And uh, at that process, we opened the building. We did some basic renovations to it just to get it to a temporary occupancy from the city of Brownwood. We performed that Rodgers and Hammerstein show, Cinderella, back in 2001. And then we worked diligently ever since then. Uh, we have performed a musical every year, uh, sometimes other things on top of it. Uh, but we, since that point, have uh, performed every year. And it has been exciting since then. And so, so for us, the building prior to that point, you know, it was just empty. It had been a dress shop, a successful dress shop. Right. And that dress shop is still successful. Yeah. You know, Hamilton's two blocks They just down. didn't use the auditorium. I don't think they that would have been... A, it was a storage was, space for Yeah, because it's the slant of the floor. A lot of storage, yes. It has that raked floor. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, in the floor, we when we when we did the final restoration uh components to the building, we went ahead and raised that floor six inches, Uh, not consistently six inches, but six inches so that people could have better sight lines. I don't know if people were taller and skinnier then, but I'm telling you, the (laughs) seats were smaller and people had to see taller things and so But we raised that for better sight lines. But all the the basic uh, fundamental uh, hold, you know, it it was forced heat into the building, and so that that little canal in the middle of the floor still exists. It's how we run all of the media equipment now oh, okay. for the theater. Now, were there any surprises that you ran across in the process of, of renovation? Any kind of unusual things like this happened because we <laughs> tore op- open this and didn't know it was there or something? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't know if I could even get them all in here, but I, I, remember, two, I remember two to three specifically. Uh, one was when we were... First came in, our, our architectural firm, which was Gregory Free and Associates out of Austin. He had been here in the community. He uh, was helping, matter of fact, the, the Hamiltons who uh, vacated this building to move down there. He redid their program. He, he redid their building for them. Uh, he's been a part of restoring the Girling Center for Justice on the Howard Payne campus, the old Daniel Another Baker. Another one of the very old buildings. Right. In the Actually, state I think Texas. it's one of the oldest educational buildings, if yeah. not the oldest educational building still. I think it is. And, and in yeah. continuous use Correct. in Texas. So he did that when he did MEMS Auditorium on the Howard Payne campus. He's been in the community here, even though he's never lived here. He's He's got lots of little fingers here. He came in, he goes, I've got to see behind this wall. I've got to see behind this wall. And so he had a hammer in his hand. And we had just, mind you, signed the papers. We signed the papers down at Scott Morlock's office. He graciously did the stuff for us without charging us, which is like about maybe five blocks down the street. And as soon as we signed the papers, he had a hammer in his truck and he ran out the door and ran all the way down here. I grabbed uh, Nancy Joe Humfeld, who was with me in the signing of the papers. I said, "We need to go stop him." I said, "I don't know what he's going to do, but I we can't we <laughs> he's can't." He's got handle, a hammer in his hand. He's I running. Know, all I need to do is button that place up. Uh, now that I own it, and have to get insurance and everything else. And so uh, we got down here, and he was. He goes, "I want to knock a hole in this wall," and he was knocking a hole in the wall that had been built probably back in the fifties when the the it was under with. 
they were redoing it from a theater to a dress shop. Right. He knocked a hole in this wall and he kept banging it on both sides. There was a hole. He goes, it's a stairwell. I knew it was a stairwell. It had to be a stairwell. And so I said, okay, okay. He goes, look. And there was a sign uh, that had been placed on the stairwell that said balcony closed. And of course, he was just dramatic enough. He goes, this is perfect. Take a picture. We took a picture of, <laughs> of him and uh, Nancy Joe fell with that sign, balcony closed, with the thought that we are opening this place yeah. back up. You know, it had yeah. closed, had been a lot walled of meaning up. meaning to that. that and we right discovered on those stairs, there were four levels of carpet. The original carpet, and then, of course, the Art Deco remodeled carpet that came in the 30s. And then there was uh, something else that was very drab and dreary looking brown <laughs> that had gone on. There were two carpet layers on top of it that were just ugly. But the bottom two layers, one was a beautiful burgundy uh, and with, with burgundy with, with shades of green and blue inside of it that came from that prairie-style carpet yeah. that was the original carpet to the theater. Wow. Then on top of that was an Art Deco, very flashy, lots of colors, reds, yellows, greens, purples, all those kind of colors. Uh, swiggly lines, you know, from the 30s, that Art Deco period, yeah. that's what that was. Then there was that wow. period. So we kept all of those things. So, so to me, and there was also one of the newel posts. Mm -hmm. You know, a newel post is at the end of the stair, you know, when you have your railing on the stairs that's coming down, there was a post at the end of that uh, area. And then on that newel post, on top of it was a light. Well, that newel post was laying down on top of it. Uh, and, and we did not know this, but eventually we discovered there was an identical stairwell when it was originally built on the opposite side of that. So we have the one side that we had already there. We, we redid both of them in order to, yeah. well, to make them safe to right. walk up and down. Right. Um, but that was a huge fabulous thing. So that fa discovering that and as you walk into the exterior area, we we took off the tile, there was VCT tile, you know, vinyl composite tile right. on the floor. We took it off and it had been glued down and underneath it was this mosaic very small circular tile that had been all over the floor, and it was still in pretty they're, good they're shape. They're kind of about the size of a nickel or something, yeah, aren't they? Maybe, yeah, maybe a little a less than yeah. a nickel, actually, but about yeah. that size. And they were circular. They weren't octagonal. Right. Uh, the, there's a similar tile in the uh, courthouse here. has similar color palette to it and everything for us, yeah. but it's octagonal. That's the way they built it. Uh, we were the up-and-going place. You know, we were the cool, <laughs> hip, you know, it was... Ours is circular, so uh, so that floor is still there. And above that, there was a fo there was a, a space in between the ceiling and the ceiling above it that we didn't even know existed, and we discovered this huge, gorgeous crown molding wow. that was up there. Yeah, it was actually quite amazing when we walked through that. And then one of the little things we you know we were doing all this to get ready for. Uh, Cinderella, the Rogers right. and Hammerstein right. Cinderella. Uh, on the stage, when we had about, we had 30, 40 people in here cleaning, sweeping, dusting, hammering, nailing, smashing, whatever it was that needed, they found a glass slipper about four inches long on the stage in a box. And so we took a picture at that point and oh we just knew it was a sign that 
we were destined to be doing this and to be doing specifically Cinderella when exactly. it opened up. Yeah. So there are those types of stories. You find those things all over the place. That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, I know uh, my first experience was was this year. Um, you know, coming coming into Lyric for for a performance, and just seeing the theater itself and 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 walking in, it's quite different from what you would experience in any other environment coming to see a musical or a stage play. And I find it fascinating that that this theater has the aside from the main stage has the auxiliary stages on either side, two of them. Uh, on top of each other on either side of the stage. Uh, what's the story behind that? Well, Is see, that there's s- another discovery moment. Uh, <laughs> I, it, it, I I could go on with discovery moments, I believe. But, yeah, we discovered those when we were cleaning up. We went on the back side of those, and there were things stored in there. There were We found some old seats from the theater that were inside of there. We found the old box office glass window and the little talky thing through. I don't know what that's called, but that little yeah, the hole. <laughs> yeah, a hole, but you know, it had that little metal thing on oh, the top yeah, of it. Oh, yeah, a little metal grate. Um, the talky thing through. And so um, on the back side of that, we noticed that there were these these sections that were cut out. But on the presidium section, it was all had been filled in, and so you couldn't see it. So during that 1930 period, they obviously took the presidium section, uh, which is a pretty grand presidium for us here, right. and uh, they took it, and we, we were able to knock the holes in it, and we found what was very indicative to uh, vaudevillian uh, performing arts, was we found these side stages that um, were, were there. They were all there, and we were able to restore those, and it really provides some flexibility to what we do when it comes to performances. The stage itself is fairly small. It's a 25 by 25 stage. Right. One of the beauties of it is that it has a fly loft. And so the and, and in Brownwood, it's the only only theater here in, in town in the whole central Texas area that has a fly loft. Right. And so we're able to utilize that space up above it to put curtains or to put sets or to put lights. And then these little side stage. Uh, we found some, we don't know what they're called. We found some uh, historical things where they're called Juliets. I don't. We don't know where that comes from. And as I've talked to theater people and who are very knowledgeable, they've never heard those phrases before. But we we sometimes affectionately refer to them as our Juliets, and okay. it's a place for you know if we were to do uh, that Shakespearean special Romeo and Juliet, right. she could be up in the balcony, and exactly. and Romeo could you know that whole <laughs> hark hark we're far out there all type thing. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's that's really cool. Okay, so uh, one of the most recent additions that you've done here, a much more modern addition, was the addition of a very large uh, uh, high-definition projector screen that you added. We did. You know, there are some things that are, that are uh, very indicative. We're so excited about it. Like, it has an orchestra pit. We knew it had an orchestra pit. We did not know it was 10 foot deep at the time, but it was part of that whole, that whole bow underneath the stage. There's a... Uh, uh, what do you call that? A basement area down there. Uh, but at the same time, that there's a little canyon or a little that I talked about earlier, you know, where you could run all of our media stuff. Uh, we knew it had a film projection component because the lyric was by everybody around here is known as a, a movie theater. Matter of fact, one of the coolest outdoor pictures we have is when they premiered in Brownwood, Gone with the Wind from 1932. Somebody stood on top of the uh, Southern Hotel, which is Caddy Corner from the Lyric, where the Glamour Shop is now. And they took a picture of the 
huge line snaking all the way up the street uh, that was waiting to get in to see Gone with the Wind. And so we wanted uh, movies to be a part of what it is. And people wanted movies to be a part of what it was. We know that movie theaters today, we couldn't compete with all the bells and whistles that take place. And uh, we knew that digital media was swiftly coming. So we were trying to be very up-to-date and very current so that we could get the most usage out of what we were doing. And so we were able to add a, a huge 15,000 lumen a projection system uh, with a screen that flies up and down uh, that is 25 foot wide, takes the entire uh, opening of the proscenium into account. And so I think I think if anybody that comes, we, we don't do first run movies. You're not going to see right. uh, the most recent Bond film coming out. <laughs> it's not going to happen here. Uh, but we do show some historical things and uh, we're still kind of tippy-toeing into what that looks like. Uh, we're trying to be good stewards of the resources that we have. And uh, when we can get going and have movies on a regular basis, we might do that. But right now we're kind of tiptoeing into it. I look forward to the a ghost and Mr. Chicken, Don Knotts, <laughs> little flick we're going to do over uh, Halloween. So Wow. Well, it, it's really amazing that this uh, has turned out to be such a really wonderful treasure for this community. I mean, you, there's really no comparison uh, in, in many other communities uh, far around that compared to what Brownwood has here. You know, I, I think it, it's very unique. I wouldn't disagree with that in the sense that I know that one of – at the heart of why I do what I do, and I think I can speak for most of our board, especially the founding board members and uh, our board as a whole, when when we got into the concept of putting the lyric back into operations, we wanted it to be a place for the community. We wanted it to be a place. I, I am still confident. I was uh, Betty Gerling, Betty and Robert Gerling, uh, who owned the Gerling Home Health and Hospice uh, Empire, so to speak. And right. it, it was huge. They built that up. They had a love for caring for people. And they're from Brownwood. She talks about going and visiting the Rexall drugstores downtown. As a matter of fact, her sister still lives here. Her nephew, Hank Hunter, is, still, is on our board. And so she made this statement to me years ago, before Hank was around, before uh, the lyric, I mean, we had purchased the building and she knew that we had a goal here. She was good friends with Greg Free, Gregory Free and Associates, right. the architectural right. firm. Um, she was good friends with them and um, she said, hey, Eric, tell me what, what, what do you want to do with that building? I said, well, I said, I, I just think the arts impact people for good for, for an extended period of time. She goes, she goes, you listen to me, and listen to me carefully. The arts will transform people, and it will transform your community if you allow it to take place. And she made that statement, and we were able to go up and see her. She's now on, uh, up into years. It's taken us 15 years to get to this point. Yeah. And she, uh, she's, she told me, she goes, I told you it would transform the community. I said, yes, you did. Thank you, Mrs. Gerling. And so I, I tell stories. I, t I love to tell the stories about the Linda Lacks. I love to tell the stories about kids coming into the theater for the first time. And it cost, I mean, literally, for us to just operate right now, it cost $5,000 a month. 
wow. just to operate. And we don't have any paid people. I mean, we pay all people, volunteers. but we don't like. I'm a volunteer. I'm the managing dude for this place, and right now I'm a volunteer. Uh, and it's because we just don't have the resources, but we still want the theater to be a place for kids, for adults. Mm-hmm to experience something they wouldn't experience otherwise. And when they walk in the door to see a show as comical as MASH, okay, or if they come and watch something as poignant as Steel Magnolias, or they come to see something that has as much energy as Guys and Dolls or Anything Goes, those those events that take place are just magical for them. And I have all the time. Matter of fact, I'm I'm so excited. We're going to get to host uh, the early high school musical this year. They've always done a great job out there at early, but they just don't have the facilities. And facilities are expensive. We're talking millions of dollars. We spent $3 million just renovating this one. Just picture what... To build a new one that would do. Yeah, and so, imagine. yes, yes. And so uh, they're going to be able to do Scrooge out here right. at the first part of November. And they're just so giddy. They're giddy about it. Sure. Uh, and so uh, I love the fact we hosted the we hosted the one-act plays for Early, for Banks, and for Brownwood High School. They all three advanced this year. And I'm all three of the directors are are people who invest themselves into the lyric here. And all of them said, I said, hey, listen, why don't y'all come down and let's watch this and maybe we can raise some money for you. Well, that kind of takes money from us. You yeah, know, we have to, sure. that, that cost sure. money to do that. Um, and But they were all excited about it just to watch the look on their faces, to yeah. see people walk well, in. It kind of lights a fire under them, doesn't it? Does. It does. Yeah. It has really yeah. encouraged me. Matter of fact, it's rare for us. We have a, an ongoing process. We're getting ready to try to finish our green room. We've bought some buildings beside of us. We've been given some buildings behind us. And so we know that that's only going to help us in bringing the quality entertainment Performing arts as well as visual arts, everything sure. here, and so it's and so we have ongoing things like we sell seats for a thousand dollars. You know, if you want to have your name on a little seat placard that doesn't go on the seats, it goes on a historic uh, mirror that was a right. part of the theater years and years ago. Um, you know, you can do that for a thousand dollars. It's rare for us not to sell one of those. Uh, every every time we open the doors for a play or a production or some type of event. And, you know, matter of fact, uh, uh, we have coming up here at the end of the month that we're doing that Ghost of Mr. Chicken I'll talk about. Right. Well, the Relay for Life uh, for Brown County right. is going to make that a fundraiser. And so we're going to have a time for families to come down and uh, they can bring, have a costume contest, all that kind Fantastic. of stuff will take place. It'll be cool. And so for me... Opening it up and to see people, you know, I have I have some of these stories about uh, people of color. Uh, ha- their black history is so painful sometimes when you when you hear about it, even though we're not familiar with it at all at this right. point. At least it's some in some ways, you know, for them to come in and say, "Yeah, I I I get to walk in the front doors. I used to have to walk up the back stairs." Yeah, and you know when I when I get to hear stories like that, or when I get to see people experience something and have a a moment, so to speak, it's really fulfilling. Yeah. And so I don't mind the whole volunteering at exactly. times. You know, it has a lot of fulfillment. That's right. That. There's yeah. lots of endorphins that yeah. come because this is a place that, in Betty Gerling's words, 
is going to transform our community. And I do believe it's making a huge it impact has. for Brown. It has. Now, and just real quick, I know that more than just being managing director, but you and your wife have also been performers as well. In fact, I just got to see your wife uh, perform well, Steel Magnolias. <laughs> yeah, I would not call myself a performer near at the same level as my wife. You know, Jill, Jill loves to be on stage. Uh, you don't, and it see shows because she does exceptionally well. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't show up in many shows around here because she knows the immense amount of work it, it takes is, to sure. to put into that. But all of our volunteers, matter of fact, we've not had anybody on the stage in a play that we have produced here as LPAC that hasn't been a volunteer. And so they always volunteer their time, and uh, it's they love it. People who love the theater love to be in theater. And so we have well over 200 people who uh, are part of our performing group of volunteers that will volunteer their time. And we try to feed them good. We try to outfit them good. We try to give them all those components to really shine and hone their craft and that they enjoy. Uh, but yes, Jill and I love to, I'm a, I'm a musician. And so uh, I love to, when I can, to play and to sing or to, to have a part of that. And concerts are something that we're trying to do here. And so all of those components do play a role in it. But Jill and I love it together. Jill is much better than I. I don't know that I, I've been in a couple of shows, but it's only because they have been desperate for a guy who can match pitch. Ah, okay. <laughs> so that's about well, it. you can sing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what can we kind of expect uh, from the lyric in the coming years? What are kind of some things that you kind of are foreseeing uh, the future for this uh, establishment? I, I think we know that we have found success with uh, performing in plays. And so that's going to continue. At what level, we're going to have to you know, continue to tippy-toe into it. Uh, we write grants, we write for grants, and we receive grants. We get turned down for more than we receive um, to help us with the performing components that come alongside that, with the cost of those areas. Mm-hmm. But I, I see that the performing portions of plays and musicals that will continue on uh we're we're wanting to do movies on a regular basis uh that's going to take more personnel than we just can afford at this point and so you know and movies are a different animal they don't cost a lot we do more vintage movies uh historical movies that kind of stuff but uh they still cost something and we we want the theater to have long-term viability. And so uh, we know that that's something we'd like to do. We're just going to have to tippy-toe into it. Concerts are something else for us. We've also uh, raised money to sponsor and to support a concert series, a homegrown concert series. We found good success with our first one, Van Wilkes and Josh Josh Smith and the uh, Mike Trigger and some guys named Dude. Uh, or some dudes named Roy. That's what it dudes was. There you go. Yeah, uh, who were here? They great concert. Loved, loved it. We've also lost a lot of money on some concerts yeah. too, and so the whole concert venue is something for us to still tread a little more lightly on. Find the support that's out there from the community for it, and uh, so opening the theater for people to utilize for uh, events that might be 
something that could be significant for us. I know Big Brothers Big Sisters in November is having their Dancing for the Stars event here. Well, uh, that's going to be a huge thing, and it's something we couldn't do just any place. We need a theater to do that kind of thing. And so, you know, that's going to be a place for them and to find that that way for these not-for-profit organizations to to utilize the facility for fundraising opportunities. Uh, Aggies around here want to show of Aggie football game inside the theater. So, you know, that could be coming here the next few weeks, and he'll call me up and say, hey, here's a ton of money I'll give to you if you'll let us do this. I hope, well, I hope he does. But you know how that all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff is just out there. So I, I see it being a place for the community. I want to open it up for that, and the board wants to open it up for that. We know that uh, we want the theater and the company to have long-term viability. So finances have to play a role in that. And we have to be conservative. Uh, and when we try and experiment on things, we still have to keep that in the back of our mind. So that kind of stuff. Well, good. You know, uh, I think that truly we, we have uh, uh, something very unique here. And I'm glad to, to support it when I can. I love coming out. And so it, it's wonderful to hear these hear these stories about it. Now, how can folks who are listening to the show find out more about the Lyric? What's kind of some of the best ways they can do that? Our, our two, we have, we have three main sources of information for us. Uh, one of them is our website, brownwoodlyrictheater.com. Uh, matter of fact, we could take millions of dollars if you want to give it. If anybody out there in... in <laughs> Uh, podcast world wants to give right. that. We certainly have that ability to, to accept it for them. But that um, particular uh, website also has on it all of our performances that are coming up. You can buy tickets online. You can see what's taking place there. Uh, and you can also, if you wanted to, you can donate. You can see historical pictures of the theater from the rena- restoration mm-hmm. and the renovation of the theater. You can find them all there on that uh, website. You can go to our Facebook page, which is probably the most current thing that we do. Right. And when I say most current, our website is is not that it's old and tedious. It's just a different level of information. Right. They're on our Facebook page, which is simply Brownwood Lyric Theater. Uh, you can go and, and see pictures of all of our current stuff going on, things that's taking place, anything that's current for us, information. You can ask questions, feedback with us. It's a great a great two-way source of communications for sure. us on Facebook. And then again, we also do a newsletter every uh, – it doesn't come out every month. It comes out basically quarterly. Sometimes it'll, it'll be every other month, depending on what it is. Our next one will come out this next month. You can sign up for that on the website. Okay. Uh, you can request the information. If you ever bought anything from us online and entered your email address in, then you're going to get that particular information. It's an email-based communication source for us. And that's where you can also look to see what volunteers were, were needing at that time, where you might like to get involved in that kind of stuff. You can contribute to the organization on any number of those portals. And then you can always just give me a phone call, 325-998-2801. Fantastic. Eric, thanks so much for coming on the show today and telling us about this grand theater here in Central Texas. It's a real privilege. And I, and I, I, I warned you that I could go on and on and on with this stuff. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, it's I great. love it's what great. the theater is and what it can do. And I just hope and pray that other people get to experience something that, you know, I grew up in Brownwood and I didn't get all this. I got it in high school. 
you know, but it was just high school kids doing what high school kids do. Uh, I didn't get to have a chance to experience this kind of stuff. And I honestly believe it'll change a kid's life if, if you allow them the opportunity to explore what the performing arts can be. Wonderful. Thank you again. My privilege. And thank you for listening to today's show. As always, if you like the show, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio and leave a positive review on iTunes too. Voices of Texas is a proud member of the Texas Podcasting Network and please support this podcast by visiting us online at VoicesOfTexas.com. We'll catch you next time. Opinions of guests, co-hosts, and others appearing on this podcast are not necessarily the views of its host, producer, or affiliates. No part of this podcast may be reproduced or retransmitted in any way over any medium without express written consent of the producer.